What is up, GBPC? How are y'all doing tonight? Today, whenever you're listening, we're glad that you're with us. My name is Chris Sinclair, uh, and I am your host here along with my co-host... Drew Garrison, who... Hey, you picked it right up that time. Well, you know, second time's a charm. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, this is not our first rodeo tonight, folks. Um, Tonight. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, um, I have a, so we're, so obviously we're still continuing to record remotely from each other and we're we're using this really great website, which is awesome. But for my microphone, I can't touch it. If I touch it, it like disconnects and ruins everything. Oh man. I feel like there's a joke in there about like my wife or something like that. Well, I mean, yeah, insert whatever you want there. Um, But it's definitely a, it's definitely a scenario. It's like, I I was, as I was referring to it earlier, it's like like the Jurassic park effect, you know, like I can't touch anything or I break it. Um, So now I've moved everything away from the cords and hopefully sitting on your hands, sitting on my hands, um, even though I'm I'm a hands talker. So We'll see how that works out for me. Um, but, you know, in another little twist, we're actually, we're, we're, we are drinking tonight, and but we're drinking different things. So, Chris, why don't you start off with what you're drinking, and then we'll talk about the gem that I'm drinking. I am drinking a lovely Pisco that I brought back from a trip uh, to Peru with my brother a few years ago uh, called La, Bodi- La Botija. And it is an achilado, which means that it's a blend, and it is freaking great. I've been working on this bottle for a few years. I just I don't have the the heart to finish it because I don't know the next time I'm going back to Peru. Uh, it's probably going to be bottle, a while. Yeah, it's going to be a while. And uh, this bottle is a 700 ml, so you know it's legit. <laughs> um, and for you know our audience out there who might not be familiar with what a Pisco is, is there anything that might be a little bit more recognizable in terms of branding and name-wise? Um, I Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I we live in our own little bubble, so I don't know what other people know. Um, but uh, let's see. There's uh, Pisco del Oro. Um, there is uh, Pisco Porton. Um, well, I was talking more so Cop- like Cop- just Cop- category, category wise. Like, what is it? In turn, oh, what is a pisco? A oh, pisco is it's a it's a white brandy. It's, oh, there uh, you go. That's what I was. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, it's white brandy. It's it's unaged brandy, and um, you know, kind of kind of the same deal that you get with uh, with agave spirits. You know, when you have your age, your your blanco, and then you have your aged spirits. How the the wood interacts and you know quiets down a lot of the uh, the agave notes that 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 you get out of agave um grape spirits are the same way you know so whether you're drinking grappa or you're drinking you're drinking pisco uh the 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 unaged versus you know aged brandy it's night and day it's totally different uh with with unaged you you taste a lot more of the you know the grape and the different varietals um and i i love i love Pisco because it just it, it's usually like it, it's between floral and 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 mineral 
And uh, especially with it, when it's an achalado, which means that it's a blend of grapes of different varietals versus like a single varietal. Um, Pisco and Canto had a couple uh, single varietals that were just freaking lovely. And I miss that brand. And I wish that it would come back. <laughs> um, so, you, you know, I've definitely had my fair share of Pisco's and um, you know, definitely had a Pisco sour. But I remember at one point, uh, going to some sort of like movie viewing of like a Pisco project. And one of the things that came up during it was there's actually like debate over where real Pisco comes from, whether it's Peru or I'm trying to think of what the other country was. Chile. Chile. So both obviously both in South America, but like both of them claiming we make Pisco, the other person doesn't or the other uh, right. the state doesn't. Right. And, is, uh, and that's so not really you, a debate. You I, I mean, they, Peruvian? Well, there's a town called Pisco in Chile. Uh, and so that's sort of where they put their claim to fame. Uh, Pisco, I mean, we found Pisco uh, recipes in old farmhouses up here in like in the North Bay and in Napa um, dating back to like the you know, the, the early 1800s. So, uh, you know, it was coming from everywhere historically because that's the grapes uh, f- had to come around the Cape um, uh, in South America and then come, come up along the Western coast. And then those, those distillates came up to San Francisco uh, and Seattle, and they were dropped off. You know, they were dropped off with the sailors and everything like that. Um, and when we're saying Pisco, we're, we're referring to it's it's mostly like a, a geographical denomination. Yeah, it has to come from either Chile or Peru, and um, people will fight you, uh, uh, you know, hand and tooth if you try to suggest to a Chilean that Pisco comes from Peru or vice versa. Uh, my favorite, though, is uh, Pisco Sours being the national drink of Peru and and also of Chile, but um, uh, then informing people that it was an expat from Berkeley who invented the Pisco Sour uh, just enrages everybody, and it's just fun to watch. Well, I mean, sometimes you got to get – you have to have an outside perspective to really see it for what it is, you know? I guess so. They were too close to it. I mean, it's not hard. It's it's pisco, lemon, and sugar, right? I mean, it's it's a it's not very hard to to create, but there you have it. There it is. And what are you drinking, Drew? I am drinking something with a little less history, except for this podcast. It has a lot of history on this podcast. I am <laughs> drinking the uh, the Terramana tequila. And I'm going to use this joke again, but uh, can you taste what the rock has cooked? And I will respond, I think, pretty much the same way as somebody cooked it. I don't think it was him. And yes, I can taste it. Um, <laughs> so we got cut off, I think, on, on my third sip of of this, uh, of this tequila. And just to kind of reiterate for our fans that will never get to hear that, when you come, when it comes to tasting, I'm a big believer in like the three to four taste method. Like you never want to judge a spirit based off of just one one taste because 
that is not a true interpretation of what the spirit is. The second taste kind of primes your palate a little bit more. And the third and the fourth is really what that spirit is supposed to taste like. So because we had to restart, I'm already on the fourth taste. So Good for I don't you. want to feel like an asshole, but here, <laughs> you know, here are the notes. Um, so one thing that's really strange about this tequila and especially considering it's a Blanco is there's not really a front on it. It doesn't hit your, your palate at all. And then it finishes very bitter. Now I'm onto the, again, I'm onto the fourth taste now. So, you know, my, my whole palate is coated with the, with the, what the rock was cooking. And um, <laughs> now if I remember correctly, some of the things I've seen, cause I know it, it has hit our market now. It's, it's a sub $30 bottle. So I do think it's important to keep that in mind. Um, with that said, this is a pretty, this is a pretty rough tequila. Um, I, I just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It just kind of feels like someone started a tequila project and they got like bored halfway through and then just like wrapped it up really quick. You know, oh, man. <laughs> there's obviously traces of agave in this, you know, um, maybe it's the lack of gluten. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's the lack of gluten in there. But yeah, that um, gluten really, really lifts up all the other tequilas and agave spirits that are out there in the world. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, when you when you first said that that, that it didn't really have uh, uh, any noticeable flavor on the front of your palate, my my first um, my gut reaction was to ask you if you thought that there were additives in there. Like maybe there was something, but usually it's the other way around. Usually you, you taste like something cool and hot on the tip of your tongue. And then the mid palate to the back of your palate tends to get coated with whatever the additive is. So that, that, that is pretty strange that, that you're not getting any, any real flavor out of the front. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, like when, when you're, when you're putting additives into agave products is because you want that finish to be the quote unquote smooth, right? Like the uh, right, right, the bane of our existence. Um, so I, so that was the, the word. <laughs> um, uh, just not, not, not a fan. And you know, again, I can't even. I don't want to get back into it, but like, obviously, I'm really just disappointed by this entire project because I really had high hopes for it, and I was hoping that this would be the first celebrity tequila that I liked. But we saw the repo here now. Um, visuals right off the bat the repo actually has a color that you want to see it's like a honey gold it's a light honey gold um which to me says that they didn't add color to it so it's not like overly dark or anything that you can see with like other other tequilas that are out there um i don't have the specs on how long they had it in the barrel but you know considering it's a relatively new uh product and even though they're not necessarily being forthright about the fact that they're using a different distillery, they just give themselves their own nom. Um, you know, it's probably around six, six to nine months is what my guess would be. Uh, the nose, it's kind of like a subdued agave, agave flavor. Um, it's, it's actually kind of lacking. The nose. Mm-hmm. 
which makes me think that they're using neutral barrels. Which isn't necessarily the worst thing, but... No, but it's cheap. It's cheap, and if your agave is not giving a whole lot off. So I don't know if I mentioned it in on, on this one. I know on our, on our trial episode of tonight, I said it, but there's a really unique bitterness to the Blanco. Like one that I'm just, I'm just not very familiar with, or been tasting a lot of different ones. And usually, when it comes to barrel aging, you're able to kind of correct those mistakes, right? Right. Um, this one still has it, and it hits right in the top of the back of your throat. Oh, that sounds lovely. <laughs> this is a pretty damning thing to say, but it kind of, it kind of hits where, like, if you were forcing yourself to throw up to like hit that gag, oh, yummy. that's where it hits. <laughs> um, okay. Man. Yeah, there's just a the the bitterness is prominent. It just it feels. It, I mean, I'm gonna say it again. It feels like an unfinished school project in terms of tequila production, because there's like there's those hints of familiarity where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I think I'm I think I'm drinking a tequila, but if I if I didn't know, I might kind of be like, yeah, this was probably like a cheap tequila that somebody let an ice cube melt into. Oh, That's so it, it tastes like. like it. It tastes watered down. Definitely, definitely coming from a diffuser then, and which I don't know if we've been able to confirm or deny that at this point. Sure. Um. So I have to look into that. But wow. So I um, I did make the assumption that this was probably going to suck. Uh. And I was right. Live up to your. (laughs) It did. And actually, uh, uh, the guy who gave me it um, was like, "Hey, make sure you have something else to to drink after because that taste doesn't go away. That bitterness." Oh no. Yeah. So I I I also brought out a bottle of one of my uh, my Clonde Ensemble. Uh, Oh, good for you. Yeah. So I'm only gonna drink a little bit of it, but. I do love I that quality, that's, that's, that's not that's, even compared. Uh, it's so unfair. That stuff's amazing. It's great stuff. Yeah. It's really, oh, really boy. It's it's fantastic juice. I mean, it certainly is not a sub-30 bottle. But. No. No, no, no. You, I mean, yeah, you're comparing like a $30 bottle to a, you know, $90, $85, $90 bottle. So, so there is that. But, you know, then this one, you know, kind of just lets the, lets the agave be the, the show. So, um, Terramana. It's a uh, it's a failed school project tequila. That's what I'm gonna call it. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> you heard it here, and uh, you know it's it's kind of getting buried everywhere right now. So I'm not too surprised by that. But yeah, you know, again, you're talking about a sub thirty dollar product, and I think when you get when you get into that part of the category. You know, it's you're not you're you're never going to be blown away by something at that price point, right? But 
there are so many in that price point that you do have to be better than the rest of those. And this simply doesn't. Yeah, that's fair. You know, um, now I still think they're going to sell the shit out of this. You know, it's the rocks tequila. Of course. Why, you know, right. of course. Going to. and people are going to want to know just to know. Yeah. And it, you know, it, people are probably going to be throwing in margaritas and stuff like that. And they'll just be making shitty margaritas. But if they were buying Terramont in the first place, they probably weren't making the best margaritas to begin with. So that's fair. Yeah. Um, you know, it, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll have his millions and millions. You know, now it's a goal of mine and hopefully a goal of some of our listeners too, to, um, uh, find you a celebrity driven spirit that you do enjoy. It's going to be tough. See if we, yeah. See if we can find something that's, uh, <laughs> really exciting for you. Yeah. There's some, there's some ones that I want to revisit. Like, uh, the papalote from uh, Cheech Marine. Uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm excited about tasting that. I mean, I carry it, and I haven't I haven't uh, had a chance to taste it yet. So, yeah, that's uh, that's, a, that's a mezcal that's been on the market for a long time. Um, and I I do want to retry that one now with a little bit more of an advanced palate. Um, and then uh, trying to think of anybody else who might have started something cool. I think I think it's just you know it's 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 hard I think for these guys to really give a shit, you know, this isn't their passion. They're just kind of like, yeah, I like tequila or I like whiskey. Like, yeah, throw my name on it, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's not great guys, but I think we all knew that was coming anyways. All right. <laughs> Did um, you ever, uh, have you ever had the, have you ever had a uh, ludicrous's uh, conjure? No, it was his cognac. Oh man. That was, uh, special <laughs> it was called conjure it was called conjure yeah it wasn't an actually a cognac or was it it was actually a cognac yeah man it was uh quite sweet quite sweet quite sweet well some people are into that not this guy uh and then did you taste that e quarente yes that i saw you post a picture of yes and what what were your thoughts on on that that's uh, that's E forties, right? Right. Yeah, that that is not a good tequila. <laughs> it's not the worst. It's not the worst though. <laughs> that's um, what I hear about his wine also. Like it's not good, but it's not the worst. Yeah. I mean like I could see why people like it. Um and I think I think with most of those products, like they're not geared towards my palate anyways. But I feel like I can always understand why certain products go the way that they do. I think this one's a little rough, but nothing will ever compare to how bad I think Sincoro is from Michael Jordan. Well, that's fair. That one is just like unreal. Like, I don't know whose palette that is for. Yeah, did did anyone taste it while they were making it? <laughs> I don't think so. I really don't. And then, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those bottles now that when I see it in certain places, I for sure like lose respect for that place. <laughs> well, you haven't been to any places uh, in a while. So that's uh, true. We'll see. That's true. We'll see how that, how that turns maybe out. Maybe one of the, uh, maybe one of the benefits of COVID it'll, it'll, it'll kill Sincoro. Um, but, 
no more negativity. Um, yeah. Let's move on from that. So, you know, again, it's tough to find stories that are not completely overwhelmed by the whole coronavirus and um, everything. Yeah, and we, uh, we definitely had a conversation about one or two that we decided to not approach today. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's just, you know, we're, we're trying to find things that are relative and topical, but then also like we can pull things out of it. And so the first one that I have um, is actually about a, a delivery service for alcohol and it's called mini bar delivery. Now, in our area, in Sacramento area, we have quite a few. We have like Drizzly and um, a couple other delivery apps that you can use for alcohol. I had never heard of this one before, so it definitely caught I my attention. I was, like, I was like, where are they from? And they definitely have a, a, a presence here in California, but um, I had never heard of them. And this article was really interesting because they were just talking about some of the impact of COVID on them. And so right off the bat, they saw a, uh, or over this, over the you know past couple of weeks, a 515% increase in new buyers. Their overall sales went up 139%. And then additionally, they saw a 22% increase in order volume. And then they claim that 90% of the stores that they work with are mom and pop shops. So they're doing the, they're doing a solid for everybody. And so, yeah, but um, when, when you looked and then when I looked, um, it does seem as though they're, at least the brands that they're, they're pushing seem to be big box store brands. You know, it seems like 100% total wine and BevMo. I mean, uh, to be fair though, uh, most mom and pop shops carry the same exact brands. Right. So. Right. Right. And I mean, and, and I'm only in, they don't tell you who it's coming from. So that that's something to consider. Like Drizzly tells you where it's coming from. These guys, I couldn't find it unless you need to like set up an account, but you know, just kind of like a surface level view of it. I wasn't able to find any information, but, um, but yeah, I mean, this is obviously something that is pretty topical for, for the both of us, you know, for me as a distributor, uh, you know, we want to be on these apps and stuff, unfortunately with like my stuff, because it tends to be a little bit more esoteric and not as mainstream. It's tougher for us to get on these things. Now we do, we are on them and it's really on the account to kind of set those up for us. But, um, most of the time, you know, you're just kind of seeing the, the big boys like on these, on these different apps and stuff like that. And then for you, right. obviously yeah. in, in, in our experience as well, it's been, it's been, um, kind of similar because um we're small store so we can only have so much stock on hand uh, which is uh prohibitive i guess for for some of these apps and then also which brands we carry you know i know drizzly wanted us to carry you know a certain amount of cases of crown royal uh, and tito's right uh in in order to sort of qualify and that those just weren't sort of things that we we wanted to do um, yeah. So we'll, we'll explore also with, uh, with mini bar and see, see what they, they do. Maybe, maybe it'll work out. I mean, that'll be beneficial for us, um, to have more hands delivering our product, you know? So, 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that was that was definitely a thought that I had. I was like, oh, I wonder if Chris has looked into this when I was reading the article. Um, but they, you know, they were also talking about um, uh, delivery habits and stuff. And so they had brought up the Washington D.C. area, and they're like, in this area, you see a lot of people buying this. And then in this area, you see a lot of people. Yeah, buying- apparently, apparently, Vuve Clicquot is very popular in Washington D.C. <laughs> yeah, um, which is crazy. So I thought that was really interesting. Hey, it's it, great it, it, wine. It does make me think that it's like, okay, so is this some potential data mining that you can do, right? You know, that you can give to um, big companies in the future and stuff like that. I'd be like, hey, we know that this area goes through or orders a lot of this stuff. This is where you guys should be, you know, promoting this and promoting that. Without a doubt. It, that is that it's gonna, that's a, a missed market opportunity. Uh for income if they're not if they're not already thinking that yeah yeah so um i mean i'm sure they are and uh you know something definitely worth looking into i mean i know a lot of liquor stores have uh started to offer delivery and stuff like that i know you've done some deliveries as well um, that's right but uh yeah man i think you know anything you can do to survive these times you, you know you got to do it and um yeah i still have rent i gotta pay you know so we gotta we gotta figure that out so Right, right. Um, so moving on from that one, and just you know, kind of staying, staying in, I guess, somewhat of the same vein, but you know, and how things are changing for, <coughs> sorry, for different companies and stuff. Um, <coughs> sorry, that terramata's coming back. It's uh, it's the the terrarona getting you. The rock is choking me from from beyond. <laughs> oh man, Drew, you alive? You with us? Oh man, it, it was it was definitely the rock virus. Um, <laughs> so so sorry, everybody. Um, Kentucky is has just approved a new law that's going to allow for direct to-consumer shipping from breweries, vintners, and distillers. They're joining the likes of uh, people like the state of Virginia that also recently enacted this. Um, What I thought was interesting about this, however, was this doesn't kick in for 90 days after their session ends, so they actually don't have an official start date on when breweries, vintners, and distillers can start to do this. Now, optimistically thinking we will hopefully be out of this pandemic or at least on the road to recovery by this, by that three month mark. But it seems like this is going to be like an all the time thing now. And yeah, that's what, it, that's definitely what it sounds like to me. Uh, yeah. And so the, the way that they set it up was um, wine and beer can ship 10 cases per month per customer and distillers can ship up to 10 liters per month per customer. So, um, so quite a bit, and it had a lot of support from, from like the major players, uh, as well. Yeah, of course it did. So I just, I, I'm, I'm curious to kind of hear what your thoughts are, like as a store now they can only do it within the state, right? So it's not like you have to worry about distilleries yeah, from Kentucky to California right now. That's key. Like, you know, it's not like, it's not like, uh, my customers can go and join a, join a, you know, a, you know, 
a whiskey of the month club from Willet. You know, that's it's not a thing. Right. Um, so it is fairly limiting in that, in that perspective. Right. I mean, and I think that it's kind of cool. I mean, especially in Kentucky, shoot. I mean, you've got the cream of the crop for bourbon right there. I mean, you're going to, that'd be great. I, although I feel bad for the whiskey stores that do exist because in theory, um, you know, they, they will see a drop and that, that would be my concern. You know, if I was in one of those States is, um, how am I going to attract people to still come to me, to still shop with me um, apart from some sense of loyalty? You know, like how do I offer them something that, uh, you know, that people can't get with a click of a button. Right. But I mean, but again, it it is limited to in-state distilleries, breweries, vintners, Right. Yeah. You know, and in California, um, uh, vintners and brewers can, can do that already. Um, distilleries have a harder time and they have to apply for distiller, uh, for distribution licenses, which aren't terribly hard to get, but you know, it's just one more hurdle for them to do. But, but we do see that, uh, a lot of startup distilleries are, even though they can self self distribute, they actively look for, uh, distribution companies to partner with just because small companies don't have a million people that they can, you know, that can be in every grocery store and every liquor store and every, uh, every bar and every restaurant selling to them. Right. Yeah. This was actually something that, um, when Virginia had put theirs into place, I had shared an article on Facebook and just kind of with the prompt of, you know, does this, does this signal the end of a three-tier system? And, you know, again, as a reminder of what a three-tier system is, you have your supplier to your distributor, from your distributor to your, you know, your liquor store restaurant, and then from your liquor store restaurant to your actual consumer. And so through these tiers, obviously things get more expensive. Um, Now, it was a lot of split opinions on kind of that whole approach to it. Whereas, some people were like, yeah, it'd be great if you could just buy directly from the supplier uh, from anywhere. And this was, I think, and I think most people's mindset towards it was like, not just in-state stuff, but everywhere, right? So right. if I want a rum, I can get a rum from from here. I don't have to worry about this or that. Um, I don't have to worry about if it's distributed here or anything of that nature. I just get it. Um, now you can do those things if you're willing to kind of, you know, bend the rules a little bit, but, um, I think that's where most people were, were looking at it from. And then it was interesting because then other people from all kind of different walks of life were like, oh, well, this would like put me out of business or this would kill small brands because, you know, kind of to your point of if you have small brands, they don't necessarily have the manpower to go out and sell the products, Right. And yeah, so, but you know, on the on, on the flip side of that same coin, they then have the ability to create uh, tasting clubs, right? That then that they can ship within within the state. So so it might not actually kill small brands; it might actually help small brands. Um, yeah, but well, that's totally, but that's again only if they're if they're local and if they're in a place that would be 
uh, you know, a, a place that, that has enough, um, enough people around it that would facilitate it. You know, if you're in the middle of Idaho, you know, it, it's not going to help you one way or the other, but if you're in the middle of San Francisco, it definitely helps you, you know, or California in general, right? Like if you're in Humboldt and you want to hit and you want to send to people in San Francisco, that would definitely help you. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's, I think there's, uh, you know, some, definitely some positives and, and negatives to the whole thing. And that has been one, you know, one of the many byproducts of, of the, of the, coronavirus is that you know we have all these different rules that are kind of being pushed through a little bit quicker to make sure. life either easier you know on on some of these smaller companies and so yeah it'll, it'll be interesting to see like kind of what sticks around like when things get back to the quote-unquote normal um and uh yeah i think it, i think it makes for a lot of interesting discussion at this point um and I, I, I kind of look forward to see where, where more states go with it. You know, if we end up doing, you know, the entire month of May as well, I mean, who knows what could get rolled out, you know, because at this point, you know, people are kind of banking on being back to work in, in three weeks. And if that ends up not being the case, uh, especially in our industry, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's already been devastating. It's only going to get no worse. way. I mean, especially for our industry, right? Like I, even, it, even if it does happen, um, the veracity in which people are going to be coming out of their homes will only lend itself to, to, to another spike. Right. So, so you can only imagine that, that going through this one time, right. And everybody comes out and then they get told to go back again once who knows maybe twice or three more times you know who knows you know until until cdc and and scientists can actually figure out how to how to kill this thing right yeah um i think that's definitely something that it's becoming a little bit more grim and especially as they do roll out different helpful and i say that with heavy air quotes um sure loans <laughs> and, and things like that because uh, it's just they really don't help people and, um, like for, you know, a lot of these, these small business loans, there's these requirements that go into them that are so heavily dependent on staffing, you know, which I get, right. right. Like you're trying to put money back into people's pockets, but there's, if, if let's, and I, I've heard a couple different numbers, but if it's like 75% of it has to go to your staffing, like that's just ridiculous. That leaves nothing, almost nothing for you know, your rent, utilities, the rest of the overhead that you have. And then also with the promise, you know, these stipulations that, oh, you got to make sure that you hire everybody back by June. And it's like, if we enter a recession, I mean, you might not be able to bring everybody back. I know everybody wants to, right? And then you yeah. have to look for that loan. So there's a lot of, um, you know, really, really shitty things and. I'm just trying not to go too much down that rabbit hole because it gets very depressing quickly. Um, uh huh. <laughs> but, uh, but let's move on from there. Let's talk about something, a, a story related that's actually nothing to do with coronavirus whatsoever, which is nice. It's a nice um, change of yeah, pace. That's refreshing. Uh, yeah. So, Penfolds, the winery out of uh, Australia, is currently in the process or is heavily considering a demerger a demerger from treasury wine. Um, 
they're hoping to have this and that's huge. And, and, yeah. So, uh, you know, treasury is one of the, if not the biggest, maybe wine outlet at this point. It's pretty yeah, big. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. It's and, huge. I mean, I mean, uh, for people in the spirits world, uh, it's like if, um, uh, Pernod Ricard lost Jameson, right? Like that's, that's sort of the, how big that is. That's how big of a deal that is. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it, and it appears that, that both of them are kind of, you know, talking and taking this all in stride. It doesn't, it's, I feel like it's more on the penfold side that they're kind of initiating it because they want to put, you know, more of an emphasis on their products, have control over, you know, which markets they're going into and, uh, you know, being able to allocate funds for different things. Like, what was the number that you saw from Penfolds? What they were able to do last year? Uh, Seventy thousand cases in the U.S. That's just yeah. I mean, that's and that was that was up that was up six point five percent from the year before. So from from two thousand eighteen to two thousand nineteen. I mean, those are those are stellar numbers, right? I mean, and it's not we're not looking at you know two buck chuck numbers. Uh, at least in terms of volume, right? But but Penfolds is a is a considered a luxury brand. Yeah, they they have you know great brand awareness. Uh, they were currently doing what was it ten ten percent of Treasury wine, which is huge uh, yeah. for a company that size. Yeah, that's a that's going to be a big loss for for Treasury. I mean, and they've they've already started the you know the the talking of like, well, you know, if we if we lose them, we'll be able to allocate funds into different brands and we'll be able to build up some smaller, but just as high quality wines uh, in order to, to do that. I think, you know, I mean, anytime that you have huge brands moving on from partnerships and stuff like that, like it's, it's relevant to your, to your business, you know, as a buyer, uh, as a bartender, you know, so wine. Yeah. With this news, I, I reached out to my, uh, my, my, um, distributor uh at, or my distribute my distribution rep at classic wine and i asked if if he was gonna lose lose them and he, he was like well what do you know that i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and so so i had to inform him about the uh about the news and then he he's he got back to me and he was like no it won't change anything they're still going to stick with the same distribution companies so but it's still you know it's a ways down the road Right, right, and and things could change before then. So, um, you know, those are you know, those are things to always consider and and stuff like that. And then, you know, sometimes when uh, you know when you you get rid of that partnership, it kind of gives you a little bit more flexibility. So maybe you know, Penfolds is able to come out with some other different things that they've always wanted to do that maybe Treasury was preventing them from doing. You know, so yeah, it, definitely, it looks like they they were trying to invest in the California market and, um, and buy some, uh, start producing in California, which is, which is as well as other key agricultural areas. Uh, I don't know what that means, but I'm assuming, you know, France, right. If they're going into, if they're going into California, I assume that that, that means like Spain or France or Italy. <clears throat> and, you know, uh, they're going after like, that, that's interesting. I mean, they, they make great wine. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what they come out with. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely excited about it. Um, you know, I've I've only had a few of their offerings, but the ones that I have had, I mean, it, it definitely sticks with you. You're kind of like, yeah, that's good shit. You know, 
So. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's great wine, especially their their uh, their their higher marks are fucking delicious. I mean, they they really are fantastic. Nice, nice. Um, and so yeah, so that kind of wraps up that story. And then um, one of the things that we wanted to just kind of close out, you know, this podcast uh, episode with was, you know, we're we're in week five, I believe, for for the shelter in place or stay at home. And, you know, we kind of made the joke last week about Groundhog Day. Um, and, uh, but we did talk about kind of the creativity that people are showing and that just continues to be the case. Right. Um, one thing that actually we both got invited to yesterday was a zoom chopped challenge, like the TV show and a little cooking we, challenge. Yeah. The cooking show. And we had a few of our friends, um, that they competed against each other in this in this cooking contest, and they wanted us to judge. Which I'm, you know, my first thought. I'm sure your first thought as well is like, how do you judge a cooking contest if you actually can't eat the food? Um, and it was so that was slightly ridiculous. But I wanted, I was curious. I wanted to see how it how it went, and um, it was really funny. So they they basically sent out a list of ingredients to to everybody in this little group. They're like, hey, do you have all this stuff or do you like, what do you have on this list? And then they send back their list. And then one person kind of comes up with a, with a chopped basket. Right. So I believe in this situation, what they had to do was they had to have some sort of bread, a four legged protein, and then a that was my favorite ingredient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was so, that was so awesome. And you know, was great. they were like, we have to keep it vague, Right. Cause you have to be able to kind of pull whatever, you have left in your fridge right now. Um, but it was, it was really cool. And I think it, it kind of in, in myself and, you know, even though I've been doing all these different zoom calls and stuff like that, getting to meet all these really great people, I was like, Oh, you'd be really fun. If, if like you did something like this where maybe it wasn't a competition, but you sent out like, Hey everybody, we're going to be doing rum cake on Friday night, you know? So get these ingredients. And then on Friday, come join the zoom chat and we'll be making this rum cake. Or like I was even, I was like, I was like, Oh, what if I could like get people to build Legos with me or something? I don't know. Just, that's great. Different different things um, to, uh, you know, to keep yourself busy. Um, I know a lot of people. When when we're, when we're out of this, uh, I have this um, uh, batshit crazy idea, you know, as I do of having a Lego, inspired pop-up dinner and i don't know what that looks like but i work with some crazy motherfuckers who i'm sure could make that seem very very amazing well i mean i'm in at the very minimum to buy a ticket to go so uh great you know, you're, one, you're one down <laughs> yeah, so that. um you know i've seen i've seen other people doing you know like set themselves daily goals like hey i want to do this or read this or, or, or things like that. Um, I know for myself, one thing that's actually been really awesome is my buddy told me that the uh, Nike training app is free right now. You can download all of their workouts and use them whenever you want. Uh, oh, wow. no charge, And that's been great for me. I mean, it, I'm not doing anything crazy because I have like no equipment at my house, but you know, 
different stretching, they have yoga, they have all this different fun stuff. So if people are looking for a way to be a little bit more physically active outside of just, you know, running around your neighborhood or the park or wherever like that, or going on walks, um, this app is actually really, really cool. So it's their Nike training. Well, app. And then you, you yourself have, uh, have enrolled in the hospitality course and has it started oh, yet? Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Um, yes. So, uh, so that launched on Thursday, this past Thursday. And um, they ended up having 60,000 people enroll in this. That's incredible. Yeah. So um, so I was pretty early, I guess, in my, in my response to it um, because I was part of the first group that was uh, like allowed in on Thursday. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's funny because it, you end up seeing the human aspect of this like very early on. And it comes in the form of multiple emails throughout the day of this professor. And it's just, it's, it's a, it's a department head for hospitality at Florida Atlantic university. And he's just like, you guys, we're trying to figure this out. We're going to be rolling this out today. It's going to take us a little bit while. So we had so many people sign up that we're going to do 20,000 today, probably 20,000 tomorrow, 20,000 Saturday. And now we're getting some, you know, um, emails back of like maybe wrong information, stuff like that. And you're just kind of like, so I, so I read this, I'm like, cool, you know, eventually I'll be in this class. I'll check it out and everything like that. Well, as the day goes on, these emails continue to come and they get increasingly more kind of like panicky. And then you can also see like slightly irritated with the whole scenario <laughs> because eventually he got to the point where the first line of every email was like, you need to read these emails and they're like all in caps, right? I mean, exactly how a college professor would talk to you, right? So, um, you know, we're having problems with this and we realize we're having problems with that. Like we didn't think that we have to scale it like this. So we're really, 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 really trying to figure it out. And, um, and, you know, again, they had 60,000 people enroll. Now I get my login information and I'm like, cool. I'm going to log into my, student account and I'm going to check out this course. I'm going to start knocking this course out. Well, I log in and the course isn't there. I'm searching all around. I'm trying to figure this out because I don't want to be one of those people sending emails. Right. Right. Um, Eventually I get to the point where I'm like, like, I cannot find this course. Like this does not make any sense. So I'm I'm going through all the emails and this, that. And they're like, Hey, if you have any questions, email this one. Don't email the professor. So I'm like, okay, I can at least do that. Uh, <laughs> Poor guy. So, yeah. The, the guy just got annihilated. So then, so I, so I email them. We get a, we get an email back a couple hours later. It's another general one. It's like, Hey, we, we know that some people logged in. They didn't have their classes. We're going to have this figured out. Just bear with us. And then sure enough, you know, 24 hours uh, later, maybe a little bit more, they had it figured out. I logged back in, saw my course the course is so much more legit than I thought it was going to be because it's, you just get a certificate. Right. But you're like, I mean, this is, this is like full, full on. Um, actually, let me pull it up right now for you. So they start off with videos and then you have to, like, you have to go through each one in order to open up like the next thing. Right. So he did a welcome video and this was probably about two to three weeks ago when he did this video at the time he's talking about it. Only 10,000 people had signed up when I say only like Jesus, right? Oh my God. 10,000 people had signed up at that point. So I'm just sitting there like watching this guy. I'm like, Oh man, like 
now that I've read this guy's emails all day, like seeing his face, like, Oh, I feel so bad for him. Um, but then I go through the rest of the syllabus. And so you have that getting started and it basically has like all these welcome videos and like a practice quiz and shit. And then the first session is the law on you, all the legal information for hospitality. So it's like, Whoa, okay. And then you get cool. into the second right. session competency or competencies for hospitality success, career path, and so on. And then that is like a, let's see, the first one only had two parts that you take a test. This one has like over 15 things that you have to go through. And it's a combination of guest speakers and PowerPoints that you're, that you're watching. Then you get into session three, which is hospitality marketing and revenue management. Um, again, like another, like, this looks like six, seven part series full of videos and um, another quiz. And then fourth session, hospitality of um, industry financials. And then awesome. sixth session, um, excellence in service. And then that's your last one. And with each one of these, you have to complete a quiz. Um, it's all based off 100 points. So I don't know how many questions that ends up being, but. Uh, you have to take a quiz with everyone and then you'll get issued your certificate. Now you can, uh, originally the plan was to release these as the weeks went on. And then they just decided like, we'll just put them all out at once. So you can do it at whatever speed you want to do it, you know? So, uh, which I thought was pretty great, but yeah, That's great, I mean, I, I'm excited to hear, hear, uh, how your opinions change as you go through this course. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very much so looking forward to it. Um, and uh, I'm really excited about the content because they did. It wasn't like a. At least it doesn't seem like they just mailed it in. Like I'm like you're really gonna have to like pay attention and and take notes. And there's just there's so many people here that are talking, you know. Um. So so I look forward to that. And uh, you know I've and I've seen all kinds of other different training modules all across the internet and stuff like that. So hopefully people are finding cool stuff to entertain themselves and maybe pick up a new thing. But I also feel that. You're like, hey, if you're just trying to survive right now, don't worry about trying to learn something new because it's just, you know, there's enough on your plate having to do. Yeah, man. This, I mean, this shit is traumatic. You know, I mean, the world has uh, never seen anything like this, and uh, that's okay that you don't learn a new language, right? <laughs> you know, or uh, you know, end up with a six pack or whatever the fuck. You know, there's no judgment there. Uh, yeah. That being said, I I am doing my Duolingo's every day. Uh, Good. That doesn't mean that I'm going to learn very much, but you know, I'm doing them. So it's you know, it's part of the process, man. I mean, and you know, and obviously, you also have you also have the you know the newborn baby at home. So that's a I mean, that's that's a yeah, that whole thing. in itself. It's true. She doesn't like it when I don't pay attention to her. And, uh, so, that makes it difficult to study other things. <laughs> it only it only gets worse. My two year old has been a real challenge, to say the least. Um, but you know, yeah, but she's adorable, so that helps. It does help. It does help quite a bit. Um, yeah. Okay. So so this week I'll be I'll be taking my classes, and you'll be learning your language, hopefully, and then we'll talk again next weekend, and uh, kind of go from there. Yeah. That sounds great. That's all Yeah. Well, this this week I'm uh, you know, we're we're going going back to the shop. I was on lockdown cuz I was a little ill and uh so this week I get back to the store and I'm not just working from home, so. Uh, nice. So go see Chris at uh at the Good Bottle. Um well, Don't don't come see me. 
you can wave at me through the fucking window. Or are you not letting people <laughs> and go in the shop? Uh, well, yeah, not really. We're we're trying to stay healthy. Interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, if it's one person, we'll, we'll let one person in or, you know, two people. But, we're you know, we definitely don't want a lot of people coming. Well, that just makes sense. I, mean, I know we, plenty of stores. Are we just, just want to keep the place clean, especially since we're delivering, you know. And uh, I, even though we right. clean the place every day, it's uh, trying to do a little bit, trying to make it a little bit easier for us to just simply run a business. Right. Well, I know janitors. I have to pick some stuff up from you this week, so I'll definitely see you at some point. And I also have to deliver you your Terramana samples, so you can also see how. Oh, I can't wait! Is. Oh man, <laughs> it's gonna be great. I love that shit. Uh, uh, well, all right, buddy. Uh, good talk. Good pod, yeah, man. Yeah, and, it was a solid um, pod. I hope everybody out there is, uh, you know, spending time and enjoying our podcast as well. Uh, we've crossed the the thousand listener mark after, after that last, uh, that last episodes, so that's a, that's a big one for us. That's huge, man. We, I mean, I just, you know, it blows my mind that we could get, you know, now over a thousand unique listens to this stuff. And, uh, hopefully we'll continue to entertain for you guys. And, you know, one of the things that you can do for us is, you know, leave that five-star rating, share it with your friends and, uh, you yeah, know, hit, into, hit that subscribe button. Yeah, hit that subscribe button too. So, you know, we appreciate it and we'll keep pumping them out. And, you know, we look forward to uh, to uh, continuing to do this. I have some ideas that I'm going to run by Chris this week. So he doesn't know about them yet. But, uh, oh, no. Yeah, I know. I, I know. Wait. I know. I know. It's a <laughs> quarantine brain. It never stops working. Um, Dude, I get it, man. I uh, especially when when I don't have to be awake at any particular time or fall asleep at any particular time. Um, it's yeah, quarantine brain is a real thing. It's a real thing. But all right, buddy, let's let's let people get back to their uh, to their lives and uh, enjoy your I, lives, guys. I will see you guys soon. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Here, let me see if I can get a nice little. the good bottle podcast was recorded at the good bottle shop in sacramento california music is by leon moore and chase moore follow us on facebook and instagram at the good bottle podcast